0: Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby, and
1: I am the Hawk.
0: Yeah, you didn't interrupt me. That was
1: I know it's a miracle. That was good. That's like the first in seventeen episodes. The Hawk. Or that's my new name. The Hawk. Because Jim Henderson said, "Hey, you're the Hawk now." So
0: really, I was going to say that's stupid, but if
1: Henderson
0: said it, if Henderson told you, he's he's cool, so it's fine. It's fine. Well, we're here with Crystal Delahanty. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah,
2: for sure. Thanks for having
0: me. So you're with uh, PDX Love in the Streets? Yeah, PDX
2: Saints Love. PDX Saints
0: Love. Yeah, yeah. Okay, tell tell me about that and... Somehow that got started, and then we'll probably circle back into your story a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Um, So, uh, PDX Saints Love actually just began. um, I was living in southeast Portland um, two years into my own recovery from addiction and homelessness. And... Mm -hmm. um, had a new little baby and taking my other one into preschool and I would come home and every time I come down my street I would see the houseless neighbors and you know at first it's frustrating like I'm trying to raise my kids in this neighborhood and you know my our teenager is um coming home from the bus stop and he's like oh there's needles everywhere and but um I was going through a, a time in my life where I had just quit my job to be full-time mom, and um, I didn't feel good or comfortable in that situation. Financially, I was terrified. And um, so one day I come, and there's a woman there, and just I just felt the Holy Spirit say, Beat her. And I was like, well, I can't really afford it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs>
0: Feed her what? <laughs> yeah.
2: And so um, I had leftovers at home and, okay, I'm going to go, you know, heat this up and I'm going to take it down to her. And I didn't really know what God was doing in that, but okay. Um, so I go down and and she was, she was bent over in posture is how I can explain it. And, um, and. When I offered her food, she didn't really want to give it or take it at first, and um, but she did, and I just kind of persisted in the conversation. And the moment I said, um, what are your barriers to being out here? Like, why are you here? Um, because I know for me, when I was out here, and the moment that left my mouth, she looked up at me. And so I started to tell her a little bit about my story, and the whole time she's like looking over at my car, she sees my baby in the back, and there's hope. And, um, so I ended up spending like 45 minutes with her in this conversation. And by the end, she's laughing and like, we're just talking. And so, um, I give her a hug. Goodbye. I jump back in my car. I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing with that, but, um, that felt great. And so a couple days later, um, I'm coming back and there's two men standing there and he's like, feed them. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're really stretching me then Like my leftovers are for my husband's lunch this week. And, um, so I go back and, um, I brought them food and I come, I start talking to them and they were, uh, a gay couple who had come from Alabama. Um, the man, the Dark-haired man. His family had ostracized him because he came out, and so they thought if they came over here to Portland, um, they they could restart together. And they just came over here in the housing crisis, and um, and so same thing. When I pulled up on them, it was a downcast spirit. It was the bent over in posture. And by the time I got done, it felt like family, and we're laughing, and um, and I'm like, you know. I remember just being out here and I remember the shame and, you know, and like my family didn't want me home because of my addictions. And, um, and then I knew, okay, God, (laughs) it's not really the food. You're just, you're, you're using the food as a tool for me to tell them like, there's hope, you know, and it's okay that you're here, um, you're still loved. You matter. I see you. And so, um, it just kind of went from there. You know, the next week I went and got a bunch of chili and like, I cooked a pot and like made 10 meals. And I was like, okay, I'm determined. I'm going to find 10 people today. And so, um, and then a couple gals from my church wanted to jump in and it kind of just, it went from there. And so we made a, every Friday we're going to do this. And, um, we got up to where we were serving like 120 people along the 205 corridor and, um, which took, like seven hours, and um, so I'm like, okay, Holy how do crap. I how do I make this yeah. you know <laughs> fit everyone? And so we decided doing to do um, a picnic in the park, and my heart around that was that it does not look like a charity feed. I did not want that at all Mm -hmm. and so my heart around that was that i could make it look like a sunday afternoon family reunion in the park like if you called all your family together and into the park what would that look like and so that looked like um bringing open dishes bringing plates bringing a frisbee bringing a football um and just hanging out and then we started doing like raffle prizes and like keeping people there and um yeah it just it it turned into something beautiful and i've gained so many friends and Mm. and when i say this like i don't just um our organization doesn't just go out and feed people or clothe people or we do those things but everyone that we know they're on my facebook page they all have my phone number they all call me at like one o'clock in the morning like (laughs) they i mean it's literally family and so um so yeah, that's what we've been doing for the last five years. And um This not just started five years ago. Just five years wow. ago. Yeah. Oh and so um yeah, not just has um has it been our team out helping them, but they have grown me immensely. Um the people that I have met and the stories that I have heard, they have they've refined me like nobody's business. And so
0: yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Um yeah, so I guess um you've you've been pretty open about your own story online, um, but I tend to pry and pry and pry and pry. So yeah. stop me whenever you Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um but you you talked about um in your own past you'd been houseless for some time. Mm-hmm. Um has like has that history impacted the work that you're doing now or Um, or at least those early interactions with those folks when God told you go feed this person.
2: Yes. I think honestly, um, it's really hard for somebody who has not lived out there to understand, um, the posture of someone who's, who's out there. Mm -hmm. And so you, you feel, um, unseen and so i remember my my first arrest and like i i got into jail and like i was i was telling a woman um like i haven't even felt like a female in a really long time like i Mm. because i had no identity i was just a living being like just wandering in the wilderness and um and so you know, being able to speak to them and like, I, I, I say call out their name. And when I say that, I don't mean like their actual, you know, Dave or Sarah or whatever. I mean, what is, what did God design them as? And so, um, I know that that was part of my own calling out from the wilderness and into freedom was God reminding me, you are a precious daughter. You are gentle and you are kind and you are compassionate and you are not all these things that you built up to defend yourself. And um, and so that's kind of my heart in it is to, um, yeah, to call out their name. And it's hard to understand that unless you've been stripped of your entire identity.
1: Sure. So Crystal, what was what was that for you? What, where, when did you feel your name, your name being called out?
2: Um, it, it was, so part of my story was the last few months of my addiction. Um, I was running from police and, um, I, I ended up in a meth induced psychosis. And so, um, I was seeing and hearing all kinds of things and I ended up way out in Sandy at some guy's house and he said something that freaked me out and like I packed all my stuff and I took off running and walked up to this big huge farm with these big huge doors on their house and I'm like knocking and this little tiny lady opens the door and she's like come in come in like she didn't even look twice at the fact that I'm a total junkie Mm. and um She brought me to her kitchen table and she continued to call me precious daughter. And I don't know what that was in her or what, um, you know, I had an abusive father growing up. I didn't have, um, you know, I never saw myself as someone's daughter Mm. or something precious or treasured. And, um, it wasn't until, I got clean and started thinking late back at that, that she called me out by name. And that was the beginning of my journey wow. home.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Um, Yeah. Tell us some, I guess a little bit to, to fill in the gaps, at least for me. Um, Like what was that? Um, I guess I guess just some of your story like what was what was that road of addiction um homelessness, like I don't know how balled up together it was um but um uh, what was that like, what was that experience like um it sounds like constantly running from the cops and yeah,
2: well, <laughs> so highways um i I was prescribed um, painkillers in my early 20s. And um, it was during the whole huge Oxycontin rush. And um, the woman, the doctor that prescribed them to me, she lost her license for overprescribing. And when she Mm -hmm. did, she was immediately fired. And by this time, I'm totally hooked on this medication. And someone said, "Um, hey, you know, I actually know somebody who sells them. And you know? So I did that for a couple of years and it just got so expensive. And, um, and then right around that time, like 2003 is when, um, the FDA and like the feds were coming and cracking down on it. So the pills just went dry for a long time. And I just remember people kept offering me opiates and heroin and, and I kept, no, there's no way I would never do that. And, um, just, one week I ended up without pain medication and got sick enough and it was offered and, um, way less expensive and I did it. And at that time I didn't do it, um, intravenously, you know? Um, so I was like, okay, actually this isn't that bad. I'm not, I'm still not one of those junkies, you know? Mm. And, um, that when I, did heroin it was different than the pills in the fact that for the first time in my whole life I never I didn't feel the emotional and spiritual pain that I had been feeling my entire life and so I was like okay this actually feels like rest and so I explain to people all the time um you know, when you're driving down the freeway and it's pouring rain and the rain is beating on your car and for a split second you go under an underpass or an overpass and you yeah. have silence, that's what heroin was like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole life was just beating of thoughts of why did this happen to me? Why did God let this happen to me? And um, and so when heroin came in and I could take a break from that and just rest, um, it, it, it became my new love. Yeah. And so... Um, a total of 15 years on heroin addiction, but I was pretty functioning um, in 2000, until 2012. Um, when I say functioning, meaning I um, owned a business and still was a mother to my oldest son, um, but I was also selling heroin at that time. In 2012, I was robbed and stabbed four times. And um, yeah, I was left um, with 17 heartbeats per minute and bleeding out and dying. And so um, I went into extreme PTSD. Yeah, for real. Oh, my gosh. So I quit heroin immediately. Like I just, I was so scared to death of it and the people that it surrounded. And so, but the way I quit was colonidine and meth. And so, and that's where my life fell apart is because, um, meth just, uh, it sent me into real criminal activity. I, Mm. um, put my son with his dad at the time and, um. I just left and then that's where homelessness came in. I started first staying kind of couch to couch. And then, you know, in that whole world, you know, the men in that world want to trade, Hey, you're at my house. And so I'm oh, like, sure. uh uh-uh, uh, not happening. And so that's when I, I started learning to steal cars to sleep in them.
0: Oh, wow. And so
2: that's what my felonies are. <laughs> sure. Um, so I would, uh, take cars just to go and be away and, and sleep in them. And then, um, Eventually, I found like, oh, you can actually sell these to people and like make money. And so, um, so that whole next year, um, I ended up with 12 felony charges against across two states. And, um, Yeah. And so basically at the end of it, um, I was running, um, from both states and they were doing what are called knock and talks on all the people I knew's doors looking for us or looking for me. And, um, so nobody wanted me at their house anymore. And, Mm, um, in the end I ended up, I was, I was going to take my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do drugs anymore. Um, I couldn't go back and be clean because I'm facing 102 months in prison. Um, and so the only thing I thought I could do was to take my life. And so I actually went to do it. I drove up, um, in Washugal where there's a river and, um, just stepped on the gas and I was going to put my car into an eddy and, um, right as I hit the gravel, um, my foot slammed on the brake, but I didn't make the intentional move to do it. And I just started screaming out at God, why did you do that? You know, I'm done. And, um, I spent a couple of hours in the car crying that day and he just said, go home. And, um, so I ended up going home going home to my mom and um, it took a whole lot of humble pie to go back to this place where she allowed abuse to happen to me and Mm. to be be able to forgive her and find a place of forgiveness and turn myself in. And um, so I ended up turning myself into Washington worked out a diversion program for the smaller three felonies and um got out of there um ready to come over to oregon to face the nine felony charges over here and um i called the district attorney and she said i just don't have enough evidence to take you to trial whoa and i'm like wait what like i got <laughs> caught in a stolen car with a gun um,
0: i i I have the evidence for you. Right, you like right. To
2: see it? <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, okay. Um, and she's like, well, so what happens is, you know, the whole thing is like over the next two years, we have two years to bring up charges against you. Um, you'll have to just call me every couple of months, check in with me. She said, don't get in trouble again, because if you do, then they're definitely going to pull all this up again. And I get off the phone and I'm just talking to my mom and like we start talking about um, scripture and where Jesus is bent down and writing in the sand oh. and he says, let them, you know, without charges throw the first stone. He said, no charges, no charges, just go and send no more. And, um, and so I was just determined that God, you did this, you did this, you know? And so, um, during that time I found out I was pregnant with my now seven year old, um, seven and a half year old. And, um, yeah, today I'm I'm remarried. We have um, two children. We live in the suburbs. It's really weird. Actually, we live in the suburbs yeah. of. Um, we live in a little area that when we first started looking at the house, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've prowled this neighborhood. I'm pretty sure I've taken a car out of this neighborhood in my time." And um, but I used to walk through that neighborhood yeah. in the at the dusk, and people would have their lights off are on in their windows and I remember just being homeless and like walking through there and seeing families and like ah, gosh god why did you never have that for me like why why was that never in my book you know but today it is and wow. so yeah
0: that's incredible oh man i mean that's first of all unbelievable story um uh, and honestly that's not how it's
1: supposed think- to work
0: Thank you for like, being so honest about it. Um I
1: it's incredible.
0: To to be clear, you it sounds like you, you talked about spiritual abuse and you talked about scripture with your mom. So I it sounds like you grew up with some sort of faith belief.
2: Yeah, so we were in raised or, in a super hardcore Pentecostal church sure. that would never have liked who I was on the inside. And so yeah. I ran from God. Um, I, I knew it and I, I knew some scripture and and I prayed, but I'm like, I don't think that God is like what they taught me growing up, you know? Yeah. And so, and today it, it really has taken a whole deconstruction of what that was and finding like who Jesus really is and that he loves and adores me and he delights in me when I'm covered up in my blankets and can't do today. Like he is there with me, you know? And so, yeah, it's been a long journey to find this Jesus yeah yeah oh
0: my gosh um yeah what what you were saying um uh asking that to say um when you talked about heroin being like going under an overpass and just having that moment of freedom from the spiritual and emotional abuse that you had experienced and (laughs) the baggage that you kind of have been forced to carry um i started thinking about all of the many 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 people who've um talked to me over the past couple of years about how all um homeless people are just addicted to drugs or or whatever and um first of all not true. Right. right. <laughs> like just to get that out of the way, I'm not even close to true. But the ones that are um you you don't it it's not as simple as they made bad choices. Right. Or a person made a terrible choice on their own an individual choice. There's a whole lot underneath mm-hmm. a, a a decision like that and for you, it sounds like you, through no fault of your own, were given no escape from just an unbelievable amount of pain for your whole life, right? And right. so, um, and I say
2: the same thing like my husband, um, and I have talked about it, you know, we all like in our teens and 20s, like we experimented and like people would drink. And but my husband had this amazing family, you know, he thrived and he had nurture. And so it just never really appealed to him long term. So what happened for me though is that. I didn't come from that. And so when I did experiment, I was like, oh gosh, you know, like this fills me up. And um, so that's where the people that we serve, I have to always remember that is that the drug is just a symptom that comes from a rooted sickness somewhere else, you know. And um, the gals that I mentor now today, I always explain to them, you know, getting off the drug that's the easy part now we got to start just unfolding and unweaving all of Mm -hmm. that stuff that hurt to get you here in the first place so
0: trauma is an absolute
1: mess huh
2: yeah gosh so much work (laughs) so much work
1: crystal i'm something i'm curious about um so some experiences it seems like like not knocking at the the woman's door and the precious daughter, like that was God speaking mm-hmm. your name. And then literally like I'm crying as you're talking about, like talking to Oregon and saying, oh, the charges, there's no evidence. And Jesus, literally that image of like Jesus saying, well, neither do I condemn you either. Yeah. Um, in looking back, were there times that – that you that you can imagine jesus being there trying to call out your name um or did you feel completely uh completely abandoned and um he's completely absent or do you as you look back now look back like can you see his grace on on your life
2: i see it over and over again um and it, it's nuts like I have so many stories uh that's I did my testimony with, with somebody on a for a docu story, and it was like two hours long because I have so many stories but um I
0: know I just we we only have an hour but I really want to like pull at uh, all of these threads because there's so much
2: yeah there's like just this sweet <laughs> instance of you know when I got arrested that time um one of my charges is identity theft. And what was, what it was is that we had taken a car and there was a wallet in the middle of it. And, um, and I had been up, I had been up for a couple of weeks and like not slept, not ate. Like that's why I was in such extreme psychosis. And so there were two checks in the wallet and they're both blank, um, except for one of them in the note section said foresight. And so um, the other one, the blank one, I took up to Sherry's and I ate, um, and then I just wrote a check on it and like flipped it over and headed out really quickly. Jumped back in the stolen car and headed out. The other one that said foresight was in the car when I got arrested and it's one of my identity theft charges. Looking back when I realized what, the word foresight means is it's provision. And so, sorry, um, me getting arrested that night was my whale. It was, it was the story of Jonah. And so, and God gave me that check as provision because had I not, I was in such extreme psychosis that I might've hurt myself. I might've hurt someone else. Someone else might've hurt me because of my paranoia. um, so he needed me to be arrested. Um, so he sent, and I know, I know, I know, I know that that check that night um, was God's grace all over my life. You know, there, there's another instance where I'm in a neighborhood and I had been up too long and, um, it's it's just this like little suburban neighborhood, and I got lost in it. And I kept going down streets, and I kept ending up back in this dead-end area. And I sat down. I started crying. I'm like, God, I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm so sorry I'm not living for you right now, but I'm so lost. Mm. And I saw a light, and it could have been psychosis, but it also could have been God. Um, I saw a light. And so I got up and I walked towards it. And when I did, I saw another light and I saw these lights until I hit the other end of the, um, neighborhood to the main road so that I could get out of it. And so like, I think about those all the time mm. for not one moment was he never walking with me. He had always been there and he had always delighted in me, even when I was messing up and, and that's how You know, that's where PDX saints um, came from is saint means patient and kind Mm. that I would love these people no matter what, because he loved me no matter what I was committing felonies, but he saw, you know, he saw this broken little precious daughter that, that had gotten harmed. And so, and he followed me and he stayed with me. And, and that's just my, my, my idea in human form is to do the same for others. So
0: that's so incredible.
1: I can't help but think of like just the backlash of our justice system right now, you know, and like, and that's a whole nother episode. Um, (laughs) Yes. But, but the, the transformative thing, you know, Mm. like that doesn't actually fit in the justice system like Mm -hmm. that, but that's where, that's where Jesus shows up, you know, and, and asks us to show up in those places too. You know, like we can have arguments about the law, Till we're blue in the face, but like that's seems like like Jesus is other. Yes. Um, and uh and that's where this a true heart change in it it man, that speaking your name, the significance and calling out, you know, calling us out, just that that true love and grace and acceptance. Yeah, as yeah. we are. Yeah.
0: So incredible. Um so so then you take you take all of this and um all all of this history and all of this grace you've experienced, and you begin uh the Holy Spirit tells you, Go feed this person mm-hmm. he tells you, go feed this next person um it's been five years um I don't remember how I found out about you, but, and, or maybe you found me, I'm not sure. Um, I, we, we started doing this little housing project here at the church. And I think, um, just once you enter the circles of, um, Hmm. Christians, um, trying to do anything to help houseless folks, like, you are in the circles. Yeah, and so, yeah. so I I find out about you, about PDX Saints Love, and um like it's a lot bigger now than um one person making a pot of chili and trying to find ten people. Yeah. Like how's the change been? How's the shift been? Um like how how are how are you coping or doing with it um uh like you can you can try and sell the um uh organization if you want but really like um personally what what has the change been like for you as you've gone
2: forward as we've grown and so so first we um our church kind of recognized it we had a couple of journalists come out and like interview us and so my home church decided hey like you know why don't you come up underneath us and um so we did that for a year and just the the church that we had been attending at that time um i just As the year went by, their hearts didn't align with what God was showing me for this ministry. And so, um, and really that just comes between, I have a really um, hard line with charity organizations and organizations trying to do relationship. And so I'm not out here to do charity for anyone, maybe, you know, the biblical found, um, term for charity, but, um, I'm out here to do relationship. And, um, and so I was the only person from our home church that, that continued to, to move in it. And so we ended up pulling it out. And, um, so just this year we have, um, started, it as an its own nonprofit and like done all of that. So the part I hate about that is because I'm not a business person. I'm out for people and love and yeah. like, you know, but you have to have money to do those things. Yeah. And, um, and I like, it's, I love it because God has really shown me in my own journey that nothing in this physical world matters because I've lost everything and he still, was there for me. And, um, and so like trying to make a bunch of money to make this, it's really, it's hard for me. Um, he has shown to be the God of exactly enoughs for me. And so each week, um, we just end up with exactly enough to, to provide, like, we don't have like a big savings account or checking account or, um, so that, that part is hard. And I know he's actually moving us and calling us into that season. We have an opportunity, um, this summer, we're going to add showers to our events. Oh, um, wow. yes, yes. I'm like, super ex- a, like a shower trailer. Yes. Kind of so we're yeah. going to do some partnerships with, um, Union Gospel who actually own the showers. And so, um, We'll add a shower to our events, not the Friday night event. We're actually going to add another day. Um, And then we're going to do some cleanup projects. And so um, our heart around that is to try to start building relationships between the housed and the unhoused in our community. Mm -hmm. And I know Lynn's is constantly in the news. And so you see... um, like there's such division so much division that the neighborhood association split now there's two and one believes one way and one believes the other way and
0: oh no so there's
2: <laughs> there's just lots of things and so my heart was to do some kind of a community events that um the neighbors were coming out and helping you know doing cleanups and um and or food boxes for families and things like that so um so yeah i have to start doing the business part of it um we have a great team. I have 25 team members right now, um, and they kind of alternate um, serving with us. Um, a couple of our team members are actually people that we pulled up off the trail and got them into housing and walk, walked First Foundations out with them and um, got them stable. And so they come back out and serve with us now. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pretty sure besides my husband, everybody on our team is in recovery of some sort or another, whether it's addiction or trauma. um, So their heart to serve and give back is huge. So,
0: Well, and also I feel like we just talked with um, Ken Lloyd. Do you know Ken? Have you met Ken Lloyd? Mm -mm. He's he's done a lot of work with mostly um, uh, houseless youth. In yeah. um, Portland for like twenty, thirty years, and he said um, there was a trust factor with him just by the way he carried himself, but also his own background of addiction and stuff. Like, there's there's more of a trust when with people who are um, who have or are going through stuff themselves, right. rather than just some yuppie who shows yeah up. <laughs> i will
2: tell you that like when i first started serving and like my my name was going up and down the trail um mm. they looked me up to see who, uh, that i was who Did i was really? so they had my mug wow. shot out there and they, you know <laughs> um i remember one guy he's like dude she's the real shot. deal have you seen her mug shots like you should look her up and, oh that's amazing um <laughs> so they did they they looked me up because you know their community out there and their family and so um they know that i'm not coming out there to um i have no agenda to bring them into the church like it, i mean i obviously want everyone to know who jesus is and his hope and restoration but building a church is is not my deal like yeah. you know that's god's deal um and so whether they want to get clean or not, I'm still going to come. Um, sometimes they'll come and they'll be like, you know, gosh, I'm, do- I'm done. Like I want to do a detox and I'm like, okay, so here's my number. If you check yourself in on Monday, call me. But if you don't, if you change your mind on Monday, don't not come back here Friday. You know, right. it's okay. Like we're going to get there. And so right. um, I just don't want the shame to ever hinder them um, because I cannot walk with them in my own agenda for their lives. You know, that has to be God. God just calls me to love them and um and and just be kind of guardrails through their life. So well,
0: and I, I, I feel like Christians doing work like this, um it it tends to come off as a lot of flim flam anyway. Like yeah. I I will serve you, but you need to get fixed right. or i'm going to stop right and so you're you're not only having to push back uh or to help them through their own trauma you're having to push back on like 30 40 50 years of christians doing kind of a terrible job at this <laughs>
2: right right and, and i am extremely particular about um partnering. And so like, you know, a lot of churches have called us and they want to partner with us. And I, the one thing I say in the beginning is like, you might come out and there's going to be somebody on my serving line who's wearing Antifa Loves You. Like we are not, you know, we're not (laughs) out here trying to (laughs) worry about getting people into church. There's no agenda for being out here. Um, We always pray in at the beginning of our service and we pray out at the end. Um, But one of the Things that I say when we're praying in is let us lay aside our own agenda. That we would lay our life down for our friends today. Um, that we we aren't out here because if Jesus wants them, and this is something that we they know at our picnics. If you want prayer, come tap me on the shoulder. I will pray with you. But I'm never going to come and ask you, hey, can I pray with you? So that everybody on the team can see us doing that. You know, like if you want it, I'm here for you. But, um, it needs to be Jesus that does that. Otherwise, yeah. I'm out there, um, tooting my own Christian horn, you know. And so, um, and a lot of people they do they come out, and it's not because they're bad; it's because they've been taught by tradition yeah. Yeah. that hey, we need to come out here and we got to get six people saved today. And like you know, it's just Jesus doesn't work like that.
1: Right? They, there was a comment when the the St. John's Village was, I think, is before even groundbreaking. But one of the neighbors in St. John's posted, said Christian hospitality is ruining our,
0: our community. community yeah oh i think i and, read that yeah,
1: yeah. and the, yeah. the pushback you know was like what what are you talking about what do you mean and he said normal hospitality expects reciprocity and i think now you know like listening to you i, I think the christians is the same thing you know like christian yeah. hospitality christian charity absolutely expects reciprocity right. yeah. like we're gonna serve you as christians in hopes that you you know Invite Jesus into your heart first off, and then second that you'd come to church and then third that you would clean your life up you know, right. like, there is this expectation instead of actually genuinely just loving and right. serving but right. it's not
0: supposed to be like that
1: like right. that's that's yeah.
0: it's crazy that that's the the thought process mm-hmm. that that Christians have to come in and you damn well better appreciate what we're doing and change your life. Right. Um and so that we can take a lot of cool pictures and post them on social media. Right. Right? Like that's the we're we're about the victories and the quick victories. Um uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. And I feel like you as a um vocal Christian person. Um, working with houseless folks is in is in kind of a sucky position that there's a lot of assumptions about you
2: yes I am <laughs> assumed to be a super evangelical <laughs> yeah. because I love Jesus and I'm super crazy about him and so mm. I I do I talk about him a lot um and I think that's just because of the the magnitude of things that he's done in my life. And so, but I will tell you on the, on on the other hand, like I have amazing friends who are pagan and atheist and like, Oh, you know, we have amazing conversations I can get along with them. Um, I don't have an agenda for other people's lives. I know that that belongs to Jesus. And so, um, it's just love. It's just shame breaking, and and just and love and. Like I said in the beginning, I have a hard time because I get it from both ends. So I'm not evangelical enough to be evangelical. <laughs> I'm right. not, you know, I'm not enough this, you know. Are you too Jesusy to be? Yeah, my <laughs> yeah. the housing advocates, like you know, they they get upset because like they are extremely liberal. Like we need to just give. So I'm I don't fit anywhere yeah. at all, right. and so and that's a really hard place to be. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. I'm super Jesusy. I, yeah. I love Jesus.
0: But your your background, uh, like you your story um speaks to the impact of someone who doesn't come expecting a change and god showing up and um you know impacting your life specifically in that way this lady who um saw you and spoke your name as beloved daughter she didn't tell you um at least from the story you told us she wasn't like okay detox into into a facility you get out and then we're going to make sure that you never get into trouble again,
2: right? She never even mentioned anything Christian. She never mentioned Jesus's name. It, she just continued to call me precious daughter the yeah. whole time we were talking. Can I get you something to eat, precious daughter? Can I, you know, can I um, call somebody for you? Who, who would we call? Is that a safe person for you to be calling, precious daughter? You know, like and all the just questions the whole that time, most
0: people would ask, or yeah, or she was, yeah. yeah, she was
2: just. um like momming me or like, you know, for this moment, I'm going to mother you. And so, and kind of on that, like, you know, uh, tons of the people that we serve, I'm on their ROIs for their doctors. Like, you know, I have, um, one couple, like he calls me, um, he sends me a picture. He's like, does this look like a sty? Should I go to the doctor for this? I'm like, I don't know. Like that looks a little bit much more. You probably should check. Okay. Well, I've got an ROI signed for you. And you know, they go into surgery. So, and- so
0: hang on. So people people send you pictures of their weird moles or whatever? <laughs> well, no, just
2: like, you know, they're, they're- – without a home they're living outside their family has ostracized them um you know like me when i'm struggling today i call my mom you know like hey you know this is going on or you know um what does this symptom look like and they don't have that so they call us you know just for weird things and so um and i really think that that's the position that jesus calls for us to be as christians is um so much more than um, tradition has taught us to be.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, what I, what I've appreciated so much about you and just the very little I've seen, um, for about a year from you online is that your, your, your openness with your story, I think, um, is one that keeps PDX saints love from feeling like, um, this is going to sound mean but most of the nonprofits that um you know toot their horn really loud on, <laughs> online and show like all the great stuff we're doing you you've never really put up an air of of that you and and the um organization but the other thing that I will remember because I've got like a like a 2 second window of memory <laughs> um oh yeah so <laughs> speaking of memory um it's that um from this whole story you've told you don't seem to be sitting here coming in with like a 10 15 year plan or anything what what you came in with was here's um here's someone god told me to feed them Mm -hmm. here's someone else god told me to feed them okay um let's get a bigger team because there's more people.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um and and I love mm. that. that just it feels a lot more jesusy than um mm. let's turn this into a big okay. um giant organization um right. that that becomes really popular and yeah. the definitive thing in Portland. Yeah.
1: What's Eugene Peterson's book like the long obedience in the same direction
2: yeah. or something. Yes. So that's, that's definitely been the theme of my recovery in general. Like yeah. I've never had a plan. It's just for today. Just, you know, I know that's like AA and a talk, but um, God, I'm just going to be obedient today. And, um, and that's kind of the same thing with PDX saints is, um, just each week, like, what would you have this particular event look like, you know? And it's never scheduled. I tell my team all the time, I'm like, I'm the worst leader because I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't delegate well. I, I feel like um, I don't want to be a burden to people. I want you to, and one thing that's huge is that when we are on site, there is no hierarchy out here. Um, just fall in, just fall in wherever you want to. Um, and so we do, we post, um, a lot of pictures. My heart behind that is inspiration. And so, and that's kind of where we've gotten most of our team is like, they just stumble upon our page and it looks fun out there and it really does. It it really is fun. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that Friday nights don't fill my cup. Like they, they literally fill my cup. Um, you know, This season, we've been bringing our kids out every Friday. Um, My husband's off right now for a couple of weeks, and so we've been bringing the boys out. And they've grown up with everyone out there, so my um, my kids know them all and know all their dogs. And you know, we just started um, partnering with a little ministry started by a seven year old boy um, called for the higher love of dogs. And so he serves next to us and provides. uh, pet food and toys, like toys for their dogs. And, um, and then a couple of weeks ago, they just started, they brought out a nail or groomer to do nails. Just, he saw the wretchedness of, you know, homeless dogs and their mm-hmm. nails. And he's like, that's got to hurt on the pavement. And so just all from the heart of this little boy. And so he's out with us. So it definitely, it looks like Sunday afternoon with family. Oh, dude, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's really I, cool.
0: I didn't even think about, it until we started running uh, warming shelters here at the church, which we, usually it's at another church locally, but occasionally it would be here. Um, and it didn't even occur to me that, yeah, of course, a lot of houseless folks have pets. But man, like half of them. Yes, <laughs> yes. There's there's a lot of pets, and yet... Um, Pet ministry is almost never a thing when right. you think of uh, homeless ministries. And so that's a that's huge.
2: Yeah, it is huge. And people are like, Well, why do they have pets they can barely, you know, feed themselves? It's like, well, why do you have a pet? You know, like yeah, right? for companionship. <laughs> and, you know,
0: if so. if you if every single aspect of your life is absolutely a living hell, why would you not have a pet?
2: Right. Like right. Okay,
0: come on. You're like life. Is in in Portland especially in the rain all the time, mm-hmm. and with everyone, um, you know, like pushing you around and calling you bad things all the time. Like <laughs> I know you you would <laughs> yeah get a
1: pet. Like. Yeah, you, you'll throw shade at me because I'm not a pet person. You know, so I. I'm going to plead ignorance and I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah.
2: Well, although like I just got a pet and, um, he's 14 weeks old and I have a four year old at the same si- time. So <laughs> it kind of <laughs> is living <laughs> hell in my house. right now. <laughs> so I told my husband yesterday, I'm like, I don't know if we need to rethink this or he's like, no, we're just going to push through. We're going to make it, you know?
0: So you said you have a teenager and a four
2: year old. I have a 25 year old. Okay. And, um, my sixteen-year-old is my husband, so okay. we married in, and then we have a seven-year-old, almost eight, and a four-year-old. Oh my gosh! And so like a just that's big a, long. That's so a lot
0: of emotional energy in that yes, house. Yes. Huh? Oh my gosh. We yes. have a nine and a five, and just that is a lot
2: yeah I I told God well so here's the thing I always tell everybody like you know be careful what you pray for because like one of the things that I was constantly praying for God would you give me gentleness and patience and so he's like okay here's a couple kids in your 40s like you know (laughs) and yeah yeah, so you have to just be very careful Yeah, very cool yeah really often I'm standing in the middle (laughs) of my living room being like can we not (laughs) so (laughs)
0: oh man i think
2: i told the story the other day of like me being on the phone with the detox trying to get someone into detox and i look out my backyard my four-year-old's naked the neighbors are looking out there (laughs) (laughs) he's just standing out there his clothes are scattered and i'm just like trying to work through this phone call before i offer him back in
0: (laughs) i feel like uh, all in the the the
1: suburbs all in the
2: suburbs yeah
0: four-year-old like people know like kids they don't usually take their clothes off, yeah, but sometimes they do and uh, i i I think people know that for the most part yeah like, if if they're gonna come over and give you a hard time, like that's well, and, that's a them problem, yeah,
2: to be honest, she has teenagers, and they were shooting arrows in our backyard the other day, so it's like, okay, ah. trade for trade, yeah, <laughs> like,
1: <you
0: know. laughs> yeah. oh man um well crystal thanks so much for being here like yeah. i i really have admired you and your work for a long time and this was just an absolute delight um if people want to find you online um
2: um at pdx saints love or pdx saints org. okay uh
0: facebook instagram uh, facebook twitter, and... kind of all the things no twitter
2: no i don't have the brain capacity for one more <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd, I'd,
0: I'd recommend i know Twitter's the big one I had to leave it it's um, it just I was I was angry all the
2: time me too see yeah like my heart is fiery and passionate and so yeah. like yeah so um, yeah, yeah just Facebook and um and Instagram and then we have a website now so okay cool yeah uh, which is org. nice yeah
0: cool well thanks so much for being here we really thanks. appreciate you coming in Um, and for the Unsuccess podcast, I'm David. I'm the Hawk. The
1: Hawk. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: See you next time.